with this story you're telling of the holy game did you find or did you notice anybody that was the next beckham or had that aura of them so we followed the north american soccer team which was a big mistake because north americans aren't good at soccer like halfway through we're like and we gravitated towards them because over there there's a lot of languages that get spoken like there's teams from there's priests from all over the world from like Africa comes over and Portugal and everything. They play on these teams. It's a lot like Quidditch, like uh, Harry Potter, where they're like the schools play each other. There was the North American team. We like realized halfway through, like these guys aren't going to make the finals. We're not going to have a great film if they don't make the finals. They didn't even make it past the semifinals. They got to the quarterfinals and we sort of picked six other teams. We're like, let's follow these guys too, because they're, they've made the finals the last six to eight years of this cup. And they're really good at soccer. And I don't know if they actually made it to the World Cup, went far in the, in the World Championship. Welcome to Amigos PC. If you were looking for a podcast with high standards and an appreciation for the finer things in life, like water polo, ballet, equestrian riding, cricket, and trips to the countryside, uh, you're in the wrong place. If you're looking for a podcast that celebrates drinking, random thoughts, wacky conspiracies, memes, crypto, cinema, and a lot of other things that don't really make any sense, then you're in the right place. This is Amigos PC, and here are your hosts, Scott and Mark. The Amigos, back at it again. Uh, today we have IDA nominated and Leo award winning director Brent Hodge with us. Uh, he did documentaries like I Am Chris Farley. Uh, he has his recent one, which we're going to talk about today, The Holy Game. Uh, if you could, Brent, just give us a little insight of your background. Sure. I'm a Canadian, um, so I'm really nice. You start there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I started filmmaking at the CBC up in Canada. You know, like 10, 15 years ago, and then got really into pop culture documentaries and just like finding comedy in real life, like weird, bizarre things and going for it. And we, we've just made, you know, a number of films that, that are that are in that, that realm and we've, we've really stuck to it. We're kind of like, say, I want to be like the Judd Apatow of comedy docs, you know, or like hitting a world. Yeah, yeah. And as documentaries have grown, you know, there's there's so many categories of it. There's like nature docs and, and science docs and sports docs. And I'm like, no one's doing comedy. And uh, you've been on this great journey uh, as it's really expanded. And you've seen people bring out comedy docs. That is, it's really like my MO in uh, in the film industry at the moment. I, I awesome. was watching some of your interviews uh, and listening to some of them. And I, one thing I, I noticed, uh, one of your interviewers, uh, this had to be uh, maybe over a decade ago, uh, you used to work for a radio station? And yeah. And then so you got into... CBC. Yeah. And so the CBC okay. in Canada is like, it's like the BBC. And it, it has radio stations, yeah. TV stations. It's like our, our you know, our, our public broadcasting corporation. And uh, I worked for Radio 3, which was like alternative radio. But I didn't necessarily work on the radio part of things. I, I, I did R3 TV, the YouTube page. And so we did like 200 plus okay. episodes of this very cool, odd show called R3 TV, which was bands and, you know, funny subjects and really sort of like on the fly kind of documentary work. And that's really where I cut my teeth. Uh, 
just and then two to two to twelve minute kind of episodes, but we just did so many of them, and that was right when YouTube started, which makes me feel very old. But <laughs> it was like an odd sort of time where nobody knew what this world was. There was some YouTube stars coming, and then you know places like CBC were like, "What do we do in this world?" And we were just doing some of the funnest stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Did did you did you? Uh... Did you end up going to school for like, was this always your passion or did you just kind of fall into it because you were like working at the radio and like maybe just got that kind of intro, like yeah, I never went intern gig to like try to run kind with of. that? I mean, it's funny, Chris Kelly, he co-directed this new film that we just put out called The Holy Game this week. We met at CBC, he, he, we met just before CBC and he got me my first job. And so this has been like a full circle <laughs> of us now working together on a movie. But uh, honestly, I never went to film school. I never... Uh, did any film classes or, or anything. I wouldn't even say I was like a huge film buff as a kid. I like, I enjoyed films. Oh, wow. I enjoyed the idea of, of it. And, and, and I, I love the creation of it, but it wasn't, I went to business school and it was like the business of Hollywood. Most filmmakers absolutely hate it. And like the idea that you have to sell your movies and it's this grind. And I don't like really see an art in it and love it. I love selling movies. I love pitching. I love doing coming up with an idea, the fruition of an idea to the end product. And with documentaries, it's like a really easy, the barrier to entry is quite easy. You know, like if you have a documentary idea, you just, you could actually grab your phone and just start. And like, we will all watch it. That's, it's, it's crazy. It's probably the same as like yeah. the yeah. podcast world to like, to like, uh, you know, a, a Howard Stern where you're like, there's such a, there's such mm. a jump. There used to be such a jump where you're like, I have to be, sponsor i have to be on a you know major broadcaster there's only a few radio stations in each city and now it's completely the landscape's completely changed you're like i got a computer and uh if you got the internet you can tune in and it's 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 kind of the same with docs you start seeing youtube channels you start seeing you know, broadcasters starting to play a lot of these docs and that it, like the evolution of it happened as i started to just really want to sell movies um if docs didn't go and get bigger and move in a certain direction, I bet I would get into like international sales. I would probably be hunting for movies I like and trying to sell them in Canada. <laughs> like I, I yeah. like sales and a lot of people disagree with me in the film industry. They're like, wow, how do you like that? That sucks. And I'm like, it, yeah, they're probably thinking that's like the worst yeah, part of it. The worst part, but I just see that there's an art in it. I really see that. I think it's extremely honest. It's a really strange thing, but like, you can't sell an idea to somebody unless you're being real. It's not like, it's not car salesman stuff here. This is like, you have the idea that you want to execute a story you want to tell and you have to try to convince people that they should watch it and buy it. And I just find there's something so challenging and beautiful to it. It's weird. <laughs> so that got me into it. And uh, awesome. it, yeah. it's, uh, it's almost like, you know, sales is like a, a people person, you know, occupation, right? And, and and if you're not true to yourself and 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 actually love it, you come off as that used car salesman type guy, and that almost kind of relates to how you did the documentary with uh, I am Chris Farley, like because you portray. I mean, Chris, he, he, from you know an audience perspective, a fan's perspective, he comes off very genuine, and uh, it. it Without saying it, you really made that vocal point in in that type of documentary. Uh, so it kind of just it, what I'm saying is it correlates together, and it, it it's making a lot of sense. You talking about it now, no, I, I really appreciate that, Mark. I think it's like 
that's a huge compliment because for me, it was also, how has nobody done a film on Chris Farley? Like the audience deserves mm. to know yeah. about this guy. And there's actually yeah. like a channel and an avenue and a way that I could probably make this happen. And it's a pipe dream and I'm super young. It was only my second movie, Chris Farley. And yeah, wow. I, was, I was 25 years, 26, maybe just turned 26 yeah. when I started that movie. It took us a long time to film it. And uh, I just couldn't believe there wasn't a movie about Chris Farley. And I always say like, you know, like he's my Muhammad Ali in a lot of ways. Like I think a lot of filmmakers would say, I want to do a documentary on Muhammad Ali or Lawrence of Arabia or like something so big, Vietnam War. Yeah. And I'm like, that's Farley to me. Like Farley, so <laughs> funny. He changed my life when it came to comedy. And I gravitated towards like, I don't know if his story had the this sort of, it wasn't, it wasn't, there was no just to it. It wasn't like, People didn't really know. They're like, oh, yeah, he died from a heart attack. Or he was like the big guy. And you're like, oh, my God, no. What? No, Farley's like got the number one sketch on, on SNL. And it, it was actually a Rolling Stone article where the Matt Foley character is still the number one sketch of all time on SNL, according to Rolling Stone. And I was wow. like, this guy deserves something. And so we got it. I mean, he's a motivational yeah. speaker. Yeah, so, he's a motivational speaker. I mean, come too. on. And uh, he's a salesman. Yeah. But there was, um, <laughs> yeah. There, there was something there. But I ultimately – also think that that cell just hadn't been in front of a broadcaster. Like no one had ever thought we need a demographic of 30 year olds who, you know, it, it was like, it's all there with that film. I just don't think anyone yeah. presented it properly. Like pre nobody presented him as a legend ever. Right. They presented him yeah. as, and you definitely did right? that as, as well. a yeah, guy who delivered kind of died sure. and we should, shouldn't talk about it because it's tough. And, um, when we met the Farleys, we went to Wisconsin and met the Farleys and we just knew immediately that there was like still, they, they, they wanted to tell the story. They really wanted to make sure that Chris's story was like embedded in pop culture properly. And I, I think we did it. Like I really, I watched that movie and I think about that movie now in retrospect, like many years later. And I'm like, we, we did it with that movie. We truly did the Chris Farley movie. There's not going to be another one. And, uh, and we got all the right people and they told the right story. Mm -hmm. And in history, like Chris's name is where it should be. That's what I think. Yeah. Agreed. No, I, I agree. Yeah. No, it was such a great definitely documentary. A, definitely a home run for I, sure. I wouldn't say that about all my films, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that one. Well, you're being, now you're being humble. That's it, you're being yeah. humble now. I'm just so <laughs> proud of that film. Like that film first, I mean, absolutely put us on the map in terms of comedy docs, but like, I just, if I could meet one person in the whole world, it'd be Chris Farley. And I, I still talk about, I still wow. post about his birthday. It's like, I still get emotional talking. I didn't even know this guy. Like I, I never met him. I just think yeah. about him. And I know Kevin Farley really well. And we talk and they, they feel so similar and look so similar. It's like, I just never, mm -hmm. I've got, I got so close to that movie and I'm so proud of it. So it's great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, like I was saying off off air before we came on, it, you know, I'm originally from Wisconsin, and uh, just the connection is, is a little different, especially now having you on and actually get to talk to somebody that created uh, a, a documentary about someone who I kind of idolized, you know, growing up uh, just mm -hmm. because of how hilarious he was. He's from my area, you know, kind of just giving inspiration that you you can be much more than what you are, yeah. uh, you know, if if you put the effort in absolutely i also think like for me being from canada like wisconsin's really similar and the, jour yeah. the journey right <laughs> like the journey for me at that moment in my life was 
going to LA a lot, going to New York a lot. It was filmmaking. It was beautiful and great, but there was a, a, a very much like missed element to being in Canada and the people of, of, of Canada. And when I went to Wisconsin, we started filming this and went to Chicago. I was like, I need that to come out in this movie because there's something special here. He's not Hollywood, this guy at all. He's the reason why you love Chris Farley is because he played characters and he embodied characters that were in your everyday life. If you grew up in the Midwest and grew up in Canada, mm. he's like a car salesman in every film or he's a tire, it's tire store owner, or he's you know, like every movie he's like an everyday man and it works. And so like, yeah. I needed to get that like done properly and well. Um, so we spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. I loved it. That's awesome. What uh, what was it like inter like being around some of those you know obviously big names you know that were in the documentary you know not to keep touching on that Chris Farley one but as far as like you know you had like you know Adam Sandler you had David Sp like all every, you know Bob Saget you had all those people involved was that like intimidating a little bit being around or like how how because you were young at the time like how how do you handle that I guess you can no, say no it's tough too. I'm trying to think, I, yeah. you know, I I think I remember some of them really scaring me. Like Mike Myers yeah. interview, he's from Canada. He, like, I mm -hmm. really grew up on Mike Myers. So for, I remember that yeah. one going, I remember fully having a moment where I was like, I can't believe I'm interviewing Mike Myers while I was interviewing him. I was like, I need to stop having this moment. Yeah. I need to, <laughs> I need to like focus, focus and be here focus. with him. Yeah. And I would, I would hyper focus for these interviews. Um, I'd say they've gotten a lot easier now. We interview celebrities all the time. It's like, it's, we were just with Woody Harrelson. It's like all good. It's easy. And wow. you know, this, these thing, we, we just interviewed David Letterman a couple of weeks ago and all good. Easy. That's, no problem. Yeah, huge, Super yeah. nice guy. Um, back then I think I went through the steps a little differently, but I did have some good training when I worked on, uh, R three TV and at CBC radio three, we would have every big Canadian band come in and that might not mean mm. everything to, to people around the world, but if you have like Arcade Fire come in or Sloan or some mm. of these big bands that you idolize, it's a good step yeah. where like, you know, you, you, it started with like the Vancouver mayor and you're like, oh, he's he's here? Like, that's okay. We got this. And, <laughs> that's pretty big. And then, that's yeah. cool. That was great. And then, and yeah. then you sort of realize that you're interviewing Vampire Weekend and you're like, that's a big band. This, this is a big deal. Interpol was there and like these people at that time, which were huge mm. bands. And then when you move yeah. to like a Bob Saget or someone, you're like, okay, it's, it's, there's sort of like a level to it. Um, Tom Arnold really put us at ease. You know, he's a huge friend of Farley's mm. and went there, like really went there with something. Yeah. I had a lot of pressure of making sure we tell the right story. There's, there's a story of a legend that was on SNL. There's a story of addiction. There's a story, a family story. There's a story that people probably don't want to tell some of the darker stuff. Yeah. So I think some of them yeah. gave me a different pressure, but yeah, when you sat down with Sandler or Laura Michaels or David Spade, the nerves come. Those are really important people yeah. in Farley's story. You kind of, you kind of yeah. can't get the Sandler and Spade interview uh, wrong. You kind of have to nail it. Um, so it was right. good. I mean, it was my first, first, first go at that. And since then we've done so many. So it, it just feels like second nature now when it comes to, sort of wrangling and, and doing celebrity interviews. But yeah, at the time, I, I do remember um, shitting my pants a few times. <laughs> yeah, Mike, I imagine. Mike yeah. Myers, for sure. Like Mike Myers for me, and it was only because of me. I remember the crew just being like, okay, whatever. And for me, it was like, 
Yeah. Mike Myers also only had 20 minutes when he sat down. And I had so mm. much I wanted to go over with him. Because he's actually in a lot of sketches with Chris Farley. When he sat down, though, he was like, I actually have like an hour if you want. And it was just so great. It was like the best, yeah. the best ever. And so, yeah, they, they went well. They went really well on that film. Um, now, not every film has gone well with every celebrity interview, but th- that 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 doc. Ooh, you got to tell us more about that. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you. Oh, an, bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Those are the good ones. Those are the behind the scenes that you know everyone wants to hear about. You know what I mean? Like the ones that you know that don't make the film or don't make the cut. That you're like, oh, or maybe don't, don't even you don't even have to say names. Just be like, you, you know, you know this what, one you know they like, are. Hmm. You know when they are a disaster. I'll tell you, because we've done, like, so, like, the Freaks and Geeks film was incredible. We had, the cast in that is nuts, mm-hmm. from Seth Rogen to for, uh, to, to Judd yeah. Apatow, to everybody. Um, and now we're doing this new one on, on Jim Downey, and I don't know if you guys know him, he's a writer on SNL. And this guy wrote for everyone from, the, he was there from year two to year 40. And we're going through the process of this, uh, this film about Jim Downey. And it is... The people we're talking to are just next level. It's crazy. I mean, we haven't got all these interviews really? locked yet, but the people he wrote for are like everyone from Bill Murray to Fred Armisen to Bill Hader. Like that, that's how oh, many wow. people he's he's influenced. Them. He yeah. wrote Chippendales. He wow. wrote Chippendales. He wrote the Chris Farley show. This guy is Tim oh, Downey. Man. You look him up. Is an absolute legend. And nobody, he'd probably walk in the street right now and you wouldn't even know. It's crazy. This, this That's guy. That's awesome. That Chippendale scene oh, is man. amazing. Oh, man. And, and, you know, he's, he's, so, so we've interviewed a lot of people. I'll say where they go wrong actually is more on like a scheduling thing. It's like when they only have 10 minutes mm. or 12 minutes or. So they seem rushed and they're like, like a little out yeah, of the element. Yeah, we get like, them like, like that. they're on set of a movie and we're in a little area next to that because they have to quickly come and do it or COVID was a crazy mm. kind of thing, right? Where we had oh, these things, yeah. these things really affect your interviews. Um, you know, where it's the greatest is if it's like a Saturday and you have to go to Albuquerque and, 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 uh, you know, Bob Odenkirk is doing better call Saul, but he's got the day off. That's what you want. That's the best, right? Where you're like, Oh, yeah. these, these couldn't go better. So it's not actually the person. It's the person in a situation, a situation they don't mm. want to necessarily be in because they want to have an intimate conversation with you. It's like right now if I was on a fucking bus yeah. and we're trying to do this, you know, yeah. but I'm not. I'm here. I'm home. It's yeah. late and we can do it. It's great. And so it's – That would right? be awesome. Next time we have you on, you're going to be in the bus because that's going to be hilarious. <laughs> but it's – Because then we want to like see what's going on there because that's that'd Not be a lot hilarious. going on on the Canadian bus right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything ever going on on the Canadian bus. Probably not. Well, you never know. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a. It's, it could be a storytelling situation. For that's sure. my, well, that's, yeah. I'm trying to think of anyone who's like. I would love to give you some gossip stories. Uh, I don't think there is anyone. That's the thing. It's like, it's just situations. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah. that's good. It's just mainly situations, and then probably me yeah. now going like, "What that person canceled?" Uh, like it's stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, as like from one interviewer, not to say that we're professional interviewers, but you know what the podcast and things <laughs> interviewer who actually is doing this on a professional is like, hand, like handle situations like that though. Like they, they're crunched for time. They slush. Uh, cause it's, mm. uh, cause it's it, with the documentary, even though like you don't hear the, that you ask in the interview, it, it, the questions that were asked to be genuine and, um, detailed enough to get, you know the the story told from the individual that you were interviewing. So how with 
time crunches and things like that. How do you handle those situations and um, how do you prepare for your interviews? Well, you prep and then you have to let it all go because it could go a completely different way. You try to keep people on track. You just try to really listen. I think it's pretty similar to here. And the problem with listening is like, if you think about listening, you're not listening. If you're like, I should be listening right now. Like you're not. Yeah. But I, mm. I like, I truly yeah. treat it like a, like a sports game. And I like, I get really prepped and visualized and I, I, it's my favorite thing. It is like the only thing in my life. It's very meditative. And it's the only thing in my life where I, like, I can't have my phone on. You can't get a hold of me. Mm. It's just me and you. And what, regardless of how much time you give me, this is all I have right now. And there's nothing, there's no outside distractions. It's actually probably the most calming meditative state for me in my, in my life. Wow, and that's, and that's changed as I've gotten busier and we have more films. I'm on more flights and more fucking zoom calls. It's just like the only time, <laughs> it, it, I, you know, we took a break through, through COVID, obviously uh, everybody sort of slowed down during that time. And I remember coming back to the first interview with Seth Meyers and I remember sitting there just going, this is, I love this. I love this so much. I love just like, I get to talk to you right now and, and listen yeah. to you. And like, if you go, you're going to tell me something that, and I don't even really have an agenda. That being said, if you have 10 minutes, there are like certain story points you absolutely need to hit. Um, that gets yeah. more and more of a time crunch as you get to the end of like the budget of a movie where you're like, uh, I only have six more interview dates left on a movie and I need these eight people to like tell us the story points. You kind of need it. Um, and I think you can like see that we have an agenda or we like need certain lines, but uh, yeah, ultimately you just sort of know when you've got it too. like, I try not to leave until I at least have elements of what I, what I need. Um, I'll give you a great example. Like Sandler sat down for, for Farley. Right. And like, you kind of know that you should talk through, these sketches. He's in these sketches together. He's also in Billy Madison and Farley's bus driver. Fucking yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. So like, bus you should definitely get Billy Madison, but like, what about Lunch Lady Land? Because that was pretty impressive. But like, you know, like, <laughs> like we didn't have together, it in yeah. the movie because I remember Sandler kind of like moved pretty fast through Lunch Lady Land where it's like, well, it was my song and I brought mm -hmm. it to, to the read through and everyone liked it. And then, and then like Farley is hilarious and he's in it, but he got Farley in it. But we don't really have Farley talking about his dance moves. We don't have there's no other side to that story where in Billy Madison, it's like you could go further. You could talk to the writer, you could talk to the other actors, you could talk. And and you see Sandler really light up when he's like, he came with these mutton chops and like his face was turning red. And it's like, it's not, we didn't plan any of this. And you're like, okay, of all the things you guys have done together, we're going to go down that path now because you sort of indicated that the other ones might not work. So you're sort of playing a little bit of, of game of a puzzle in your head. Um, while you're doing awesome. it but ultimately it also comes down to the edit later and there's other factors like what if we couldn't license billy madison right like there's other like what if it was too expensive like there's other things that help the story sometimes or we would go let's spend the money and license billy madison now because it's clearly a major part of the story we're like coneheads we didn't license and farley's in that he's great but uh yeah. you know Ackroyd didn't say much about it and lauren michaels didn't say much about it so we just move on. It, it wasn't really his role and he's not known for it. Um, even though it's hilarious. So that's the sort of thing that I'm doing constantly when I'm thinking about these things. Um, but honestly, I'm, I'm really just trying to listen. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, when you think about it though, like with Chris Farley, the, all the things that he was in, 
uh, and, and just how memorable. If you're a fan, you remember it. But if you know you're going on in your life, you you, know, you know, things go on, um, and then you're having a conversation with somebody, and and they bring up, oh, he was in Coneheads, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, you're right, he was. <laughs> it's just like little things like that that you forget, and you're yeah. like, wow, he did cameo in a lot. Well, that was yeah. more of a cameo. Uh, that was like a, a, an entire boyfriend role, but he's a little, little thing cameo a lot. I just love that he was the love. Yeah, interest. he's the love interest with like a leather jacket on and like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that we're talking about Farley but, but right now. Thing. By the way, guys, I just love this. Like oh, that, people, people. That's awesome. This, I was, I was actually really concerned too, because I was all like, I, I, yeah. I want to touch on uh, on Chris Farley just because of how much of a fan I am of his work. But I, I know we got to focus on your 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 stuff that's coming up. So I was, I was like, oh, I don't know. That's why I kind of brought it up. Yeah, uh, earlier uh, before we started recording. No, this is awesome. I mean, here's the thing with with when you do a movie too, and and this is really hard. It's like when you do a documentary, you, you put a lot of love and life into these things. Like sometimes sometimes they take a, a lot of time. To plug this newest movie, The Holy Game, it took us like four or five years to make this thing, and when it's wow. done, you're like, you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta sort of like like you you kind of go through like a relationship with this thing and you hate it and love it and you you get deep in this and it's like with Farley when it was over I was like that's it like this can't be it and we we've done a special since <laughs> yeah. we did a special for biography because like they're like you wouldn't want to do a Farley thing and I was like no no I really want to I, I will tell Chris Farley's story for the rest <laughs> of my life like I love this I love every element of it I saw Patrick uh, Patrick Swayze documentary on TV the other day and I was like. I'm just going to watch this just to see if there's like, they show the Chippendales yeah, part. Like, you know, they, they did. did. Probably. And I was like, did they? And they did, I yeah. don't care as much about, about, about Patrick Swayze. I mean, he's a wonderful actor, but I, I just wanted to see where Farley gets <laughs> added in. And yeah. I just love it. They're up there in yeah. heaven. They're up there in heaven. Chippendale. That's it, away. Exactly. <laughs> and he's, yeah. he's, he's my, he's like, there's something and maybe I'm missing something still. Maybe I still have more story to tell, or maybe I'll write a script one day and I'll have a, a one of the Farley cousins or brothers in it or something. There's just something that it really affected my life and my career. And That's yeah. Awesome. And so like, please bring it. I would, I'll talk about him forever and it brings it all back up. And I still post, like I post about him and I'll, you know, retweet anything I see. I just saw that Tom Arnold, uh, talked about his second or third wedding and how Chris was his best man on Howard Stern. Like this story has just come up about this guy. Uh, He's going to stay alive because we do this, yeah. you know, He's going to stay alive. Yeah. Because we talk about yeah. It. So I love it. Agreed. Yeah. It's wild. Well, uh, you kind of mentioned their, uh, you know, the projects and, and how you care and have a relationship with them. And it seems like you have a lot of passion when you take on a project. Uh, I noticed that a lot with, uh, um, who let the dog, <laughs> that uh that documentary like it it, it supposedly was only really going to go so far right like you, you hit florida and and then you're done uh and, and you guys like uncovered quite a bit of, uh more to that and, and you drove it all the way from you know florida to across the seas and uh all around the world to back to michigan um can you give us some um, just a little journey on that i guess because it, it seemed like you just you found a way to really go in depth on that story. Yeah. I mean, that was, so, you know, back to what I was saying before of like, you know, Chris Farley's like my Muhammad Ali. He's like my icon doc. And I like go through, I'm like, yeah. well, what is like, what does like a food doc look like? What does a sports doc look like? And 
what is and I always said like with music, I was like, I'm not gonna do like a Bruce Springsteen documentary. It's just not really my love and feel. Like I'm not gonna do that kind of movie. And then when Who Let the Dogs came up, I was like, that's my kind of music doc of like the most annoying song in the world that has nine different people that claim they let the dogs out. And our mission in this film is to actually find out who let the, who let the dogs out, out. Like it's, <laughs> it's so fucking stupid and it's so great. And so when it came up, I was like, it's so funny that there's a question that gets asked in the song and we never have had an answer our whole life. Like you've probably heard the term who let the dogs out like 10,000 times in your life without actually asking, I don't know who let them out. <laughs> And there's so many places you can go and so many characters you can see. So we met this guy, Ben Sisto, and he does a live TED talk about who let the dogs out around North America. And I was like, That's this is awesome. the guy. I was like, this is, this is, it's, it, I went and saw it in Boston. I sat and I was like, this is the movie. It's already done. He can walk us through the slides, <laughs> almost like a spoof on Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. Like, except we're not talking about climate change. We're talking about. Like, it's just funny, right? This is like, this is the real life yeah. comedy doc element of this is real and this is stupid and this is hilarious and we have to explore. What I didn't know is that in the movie, we would actually be telling a true story of copyright law, which like, yeah, right? that I didn't. It's like a very, that's it. It's like, it, you know, it, it, like a way yeah. in. I did not know that. I was like, this is, how do we, how did we get here? This is like, we made people laugh and giggle and then now you have to listen like a real hard-hitting film for a second um the uncovering part it gets it gets serious it gets serious quick and you're like wow copyright law is crazy who creates art is recreating art illegal is it like like who owns a song just because you copyrighted did you make it is a chant a song you start to ask all these questions oh right? you yeah go further yeah. and it's like um you know, you've hummed a tune before and you're like, did I make that? Did I just make that up? Or did like, that? and there's somebody singing a song. You're like, I was just singing that. Wasn't I like, there's so many weird parts to music <laughs> and like vibrations and everything. And so I just loved going down this one. I will say I didn't fall in love with who let the dogs out as much as Farley. Like as soon as that was over, I was like, this song's so fucking annoying. I'm done. I'm done with this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you heard it. I couldn't imagine the editing process you're just like, or what? Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like how much? And everyone's like, "Did you it? like this?" I'm like, "I didn't like the song before. I don't like the song while I'm doing it, and I don't like the song when it's done." Like, there's nothing. <laughs> where Farley's like, I could watch Farley on TV all day long. Um, the uncovering yeah, part. So you know, this film has nine people that claim they wrote the song. We bring it all the way back to 1994. The Baha Men, by the way, who made all the money, they don't claim they they said it, they did it at all. They're like, no, it's a, it's a it's like a it's a Caribbean cover song. We just like made it hip. And they're like, good luck on the journey. Like, it was, mm. they're the best. Um, nice. <laughs> they're like, no, please find out. We'd love to know. Um, but we trace it back to 1994 and like the Miami boom music scene. And these two guys, like white rapper dudes made it up and they fully had like floppy disks and showed us. It's very fun. And then we somehow got a call like out of the blue. Ben Sisto, who does the, the, while we're filming, gets this call from a guy who said, it's a chant. It's from my high school in Dewajak, Michigan. And we were like, let's go. We just went wow. and we just started uncovering footage. And like, it was this high school gym teacher found a tape in his garage. And he's like, I bet this tape has the chant where we won the championship. And then we just started tracing it back to high schools and went further and further. Um, we got back to 1986 in Austin, Texas, a high school. And like, it's in the film. That's like, awesome. it, you're like, I need to see evidence. And that, by the way, has been like, my threshold on this documentary where if anyone comes up to me 
and says, actually 1980 in Mississippi. I'm like, just show me the footage. Just show me, you can show me an article. You can show me a dog mascot. You can show me a photo until I hear it or see it. And I think we've hit it because before 1986, there wasn't a lot of digital cameras. People aren't, you know, people aren't really documenting like high school football games. So up yeah. to now, no one has actually been able to prove before 1986. But like, that's so, so awesome. awesome. What a weird movie. And the other thing about <laughs> Austin was I really wanted to have a film at South by Southwest and like, which is in Austin. So when we got to 1986, I was like, that's it, right? We can go to Texas now. Like, <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> tell them, like, we won, right? We won. We, we got we it. Just go to that festival and yeah. air it. And, uh, <laughs> They're going to yeah. love it. They're going to love it. And then we it. got the high school band during the premiere. I'll never forget this. They came out from like stairs in a packed theater and the high school band played Who Let the Dogs Out in the front with like the whole marching band from that high school. Wow. It was the best. That's such a fun movie. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> so. Well, uh, let, let's uh, let's uh, get into uh, the reason that we have you on uh, is uh, this new documentary. So uh, myself and Scott, we're not, I, I don't know, we, we, when it comes to religion, we like to skate around it a lot. Me too. Uh, it, it's fascinating to find that you, you've, you're, you're now following uh, a, well, football or, or in our term, soccer team. Uh, that has something to do with the Vatican. Can you explain it to us a little sure. bit of, of what, what's going on here? We finished a film, and this, again, it goes back to the same kind of question of, like, if Farley's an icon film for me, like, what's a music film look like? It's Who Let the Dogs Out. What does a sports film look like? Like, I don't think I'm going to follow the Dallas Cowboys. Like, it's just not going to happen. I'm going to follow, like, some weird thing that's going on and, like, explore that sort of humanity in it and, and what that is. And I got told by a friend, Chris Kelly that there was a league of priests beyond the Vatican walls that play an annual soccer tournament. And I like went to bed that night and I was like, that's, that's the film. <laughs> that, that's, that's the movie. Yeah, like, that's, to me, that's like light that's bulb. It. That's, that's All awesome. All you need to do is get in behind those walls. You can do that, Chris, cause you, you, you're like Catholic and your dad's a deacon and you can get us in, I'm sure. And, and like, all we have, we don't even have to meet anyone. We just have to like roll the cameras and, it was completely self-funded film. This is the difference. Like, and like back to you, we, we all skirt around the subject because, because we should skirt around religion because it's kind of effed up and like, there's a lot of shit going on and it's unexplainable. And every week something new comes out and it's hard. And I'm not Catholic. I didn't grow up that way. I think the whole thing's wild. And Chris definitely gave me like a lot more perspective on some of the value systems within the church, which I was like, okay, cool. It's good to hear. So I didn't know anything. I was like, why do they go to mass again? Yeah. Like, what's happening? Why are they, why are they yeah. preaching yeah. this stuff? This isn't, this is this is weird. Um, but you know, people get a lot out of the church, a lot of good out of it. So I, I didn't want to like totally harp on it, but I did know that we had to hit some of those subjects. You can't talk about a priest who's becoming an, a, a priest in seminary school without saying you do know the way that the world sees the church. We have to talk about like, scandals and pedophilia like we have to ask you so that was a journey um but it ultimately had this soccer tournament that led us through and then we just met these really great individuals and now the difference was i assumed when i laid down and was like i'm going to film the craziest thing when i get beyond those walls that night when i was like i have to do this i thought they were going to be like old friar tuck like pot belly type 
priests. And that, like, none of they're all like no. young, good-looking GQ, like sexy priests. I was like, they're all like, they're all like burly men. I'm like, one guy, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, when did you? Like all three yeah, of like, us, just yeah, like I know. Us. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, when did you get into soccer? And and, uh, and he's like, oh, I played NCAA, you know, hockey in Michigan. I was like, what? You're, oh, oh shit, you guys are like real. Oh wow. And I realized when, yeah, when they take their clerical off, they come have beers. They kind of look like uh, you would never be able to tell that they're priests or they don't sit up a certain way or anything. They're pretty normal guys. Um, so that that was a sort of juxtaposition for me, where I was like, "All right, what is this? This is a this is actually just a group of kids finishing their last year of college at seminary school. They don't know what they want to do with the rest of their life." They're hanging on to like their friendships and playing soccer and doing all this. But the reality is their next step of life is the life of God, where when I was graduating college, I was like, I, I can do whatever I want. And so I, that's where mm-hmm. we related. And I was like, okay, there's some humans here. Um, and then it became yeah. a soccer film. I thought it was gonna be like 90% soccer. It became like 25% soccer. Uh, and it really oh, became wow. this journey a deeper, of these a deeper guys. Look. And then twist. It's nice to have a twist in a movie. As we were filming it, one of the priests got kicked out of the priesthood. As we're filming, like, what yeah. the hell? So you're sitting there and you're like, what wow. movie do I have right now? Like, this is this is crazy. And this is the one difference between, you know, we, we deliver a lot of docs for television and then docs for just documentaries. And, like, you can't write this. You couldn't never open it up and go, yeah. like, okay, on page 75, let's have that priest just, like, get kicked out. Like, you can't write it and you can't deliver that. <laughs> Yeah. on like a TV schedule. You have to just go and film these and then, you know, sell them differently. Sell them as an acquisition versus a commissioned piece. Um, and so we really held and we were like, we are not done this movie until that priest that was kicked out uh, reaches out to us and is ready to talk. And that took a long time. It took almost two years for him to do wow. it. Yeah. It was over the pandemic wow. that he finally was like, I'll, I'll, I want to introduce you to like, he got kicked out because he has a secret wife and two kids and he was like, I want to introduce you to my kids. I want you I want to tell you what I've been up to. Oh, yeah, wow. it's a wild film where. That is awesome. That's like a, you have like a real reality TV show that's not <laughs> yeah, scripted. The real, the real priest of Rome. <laughs> because <laughs> that's 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 how reality TV is. It's scripted, basically. So you had a real actual. <laughs> that's it. Reality yeah. show. That's um, awesome. And it's a little bit of a, you know, a deeper story of like soccer is an interesting game the holy game is an interesting game of like what game are you playing within the seminary system because none of it makes sense why the fuck would you want to be a priest right now what 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 urges any of these guys and that was like my main question i constantly asked Mm -hmm. it was like they would answer and i'd go right sorry why do you want to be a priest oh right wait (laughs) sorry why like and i kept and i yeah yeah we skirt the subject all everybody and, and like I don't think that's wrong to screw this up. I don't think that's like a wrong reaction. Like you, you kind of do and you should, and you're raised a certain way. And in this case, I was like, yeah. I don't have to, and I, I can't, I have to like hit this one over the head. So it's uh, it was, it was a journey. I don't think this is like a Farley either where I'm going to be like, man, I really miss talking about religion. <laughs> I think I'm like, I'll be done. <laughs> what was it? So was this kind of like their rumspringer in a way? Like, do they have a decision? Between like, because you're saying like it was their last year before they then become priest. Is it almost like they don't have to make the leap to be a priest at that little juncture, or yeah. like they can say, "Screw it, I'm going to go." Only if they win, right? Not be only if they win the cup. Is that how that works? Yeah, no. <laughs> that's the twist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> only if they get yeah. to win the Stanley Cup. No, uh, 
Oh, that's the, that's the automatically get <laughs> yeah, in. The clericus cup. Yeah. Um, yeah. They get deaconited. There's a deaconating ceremony at uh, St. Oh, I thought, I thought the, yeah, I thought you made that. No, up. no, no, it's real. Like they actually become deacons. Uh, yeah, and they nice. so there's a ceremony. Yeah, where I think you, you they're studying theology, so they're truly going to college. Like they're actually studying. Yeah, they got a theology yeah. degree. It's quite long though. It's like it's not just three or four years and you're in. It's like it feels like a, a like a doctor where you do like you know one and wow. you do the other. And so a lot of them are already part of the parish and they've. They've worked within the church basically since altar boys, since they were like 13 upwards. So they're in their late Mm. 20s at this point, and they get asked to go to Rome. Rome is a really special – not every priest gets to go to Rome. We didn't set that up that well. We just kind of were like priests in Rome. But the reality is is like you're getting handpicked from your parish to go and and be in that school. And and they're like – they get treated very well. The accommodations, it's it's quite nice. so a lot of people have to do that back at home, but I think you always have a choice. I think at any point you could be like, I don't want to be a priest anymore. I think there's just like you could, if you were a doctor, but yeah, there is a graduation ceremony for sure. Um, yeah. And I think after that is when you're actually in the spotlight. So when you become a priest, you truly then have to perform like a priest before that. They're like handing out pamphlets at the church and cleaning and helping when you're, after that yeah. schooling and you come back, you're wearing like the white cloak and you're delivering the Sunday service. Like it's, it's next level. People are coming to you and saying, please, I need your advice. You're doing like, it's, it is truly the next level of, of, of being attached to God. Um, so I think the pressure is on wow. for sure. You made a comment Amazing. there with, uh, you know, trying to tell a story or getting certain points across and especially with this, like you, you were going in and, uh, in basically filming clerical football yeah. um, or clergy football yeah. uh, and you <laughs> discovered a new story, a different story. Uh, what, when you're filming things uh, or like a documentary like this or any of your previous ones and, and you're getting the story, are, are you constantly re- reevaluating yeah. your, your work and seeing it, what story am I telling and, and where, or where is it going? Uh, can you give us some insight on that? Yeah, hundred percent. I would say not as much on a commissioned piece. So if you get commissioned by Netflix or Hulu or anybody, you kind of they know what they're spending their money on. Um, so like a pre-sell, <laughs> they're not like. By the way, they're like really good execs, and those companies are definitely in that. The ones I've dealt with, those okay. companies are like they're so open to something changing, and they're very into it, and and. That's really exciting when they're like, that's great. The outline looks awesome. We bought it. Um, and we know life can change. Just try to deliver on time. Like there's that kind of life and element to it. Uh. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that is the sort of the constant pressure of a, of a documentary is that it is changing and you have to be okay with the idea that it will change. Um, some of the things, some of the changes don't always help you. Um, you know, like in this case, a priest getting kicked out of the priesthood while we're exploring a documentary about why you would want to be a priest is couldn't have been better. <laughs> but if we were really following yeah. the cup and I'd sold this to ESPN and it was like a 90% film on, on the soccer and you have that element, you're like, ah, that's like an aside, you know, it's like maybe a minute or two, not the amount of time we spend on it. So it is always changing. Farley's story didn't change though. Like Farley, we kind of knew Farley's story. We knew what we were getting into. We knew what we needed to hit, which was addiction and legendary status and these sketches. And 
you know, we explore a little more as we learn, learn new things, but that one stays, but some do really, really change. And some completely flip on their head. Like you might not get access to the right person or like the FBI files are gone or something like it. You're like, I have to tell this in a totally different way. Um, But I don't know what's better. I'm trying to say like, it's so much better if it's written out. It's not, it's like, some are just painful. Every sort of project has its pain points, but like some are some are much more painful when they're just sort of boring and laid out as well. So both have their pros and cons in terms of if they change or not on you. Very cool. Do you have a do you have a do you do you have anything in like your on the back burner on your brain that you would love to do a story on that maybe it's that you have maybe on your on your backboard behind us that we can't see yeah. that you just want to do <laughs> that you maybe just you know you ha- just haven't found the right person to buy it yet or that you would love to do or the time isn't right or is there something like that that you have like in the works in your brain maybe yeah i should i should maybe mention this, this story board's fake i just put it behind me to look like look no like i know a yeah, it's a, yeah i know it's, yeah, it's yeah. a fake screen I can tell. <laughs> yeah it's just a green screen um <laughs> yeah yeah actually there's one film that and I have to do it. I will, I'll totally regret if I don't push this. But I would like. Why is there no Weird Al documentary? Like oh, Weird Al's perfect. very good. Oh. Yeah, like, I know he's reserved. We approach. We definitely approached it. We, we like it. The Weird Al film cannot be anything but weird. It needs to be not a normal yeah. biopic. It needs to like have something where you're like, that's so Weird Al. Um, Mm-hmm. Where Weird Al is so incredible to me is like he he skews the line between music and comedy so well. Like in mm-hmm. some eyes he's looked at as a Grammy award winning musician, and in other people he's looked at as stand up comedian. And he'll go on like a comedy bang bang, but then he'll also like you know do a live show with the Foo Fighters. You're like this guy has like embedded himself in this really weird wrinkle of pop culture and has somehow stuck around. Yeah. Also, if you look at his tour schedule, it's crazy. Weird Al like does these massive tours, massive stadiums, but they're not always in the big cities. He doesn't just like do Houston, New York, uh, Chicago, and, and Toronto, and he's out. It's like, he'll do like Kelowna, like Edmonton, like the mid, like seven places <laughs> in the Midwest. And you're like, this guy's got it figured out. He has an audience. Yeah. This guy must be a multimillionaire and he has an audience. Like he's met every celebrity he's ever wanted to. He has, you know, like he plays the accordion. He's this like, this guy, and he also has this like interesting and fascinating life story. His parents died really early from carbon monoxide poisoning. You know, like he's, he's just oh, like wow. wit fuel. I just have so many questions about Weird Al and just this like the home run of the idea of weird and why he went there and how he's stuck to like really stuck to something because it, and it's so him. I I don't know. Yeah. I just think that. I would love, love to do that film. So I'm putting... He has an amazing brain, yeah. for sure. Like, how he's musically able to turn things into comedy and just be able to turn things and, and make it, you know, pop culture. Just amazing. Yeah, I want to get in that brain. That's amazing. And, like, and also, parodies, essentially, on, in, in culture, are, like, usually making fun. But somehow he's turned it around into, like, a pain tribute. And I don't know how he's done yeah. it. Like, he's truly done it from like every rapper to nirvana to everything like if i dressed up as nirvana right now and came on this podcast you guys would be like what are you doing like what what, what did you what did you think you were you, we, like are you making fun of a guy who passed away like, like brought people so much joy like it 
it's just like he he there's something so earnest with the way he did it and i just think i think there's like a generation it's a bit of a farley thing where i'm like there, not everybody knows about this guy now because he, he's older and there's new generations yeah. of tiktok and youtube like you need to know about this guy this guy has changed a lot of the He's a little bit of the reason for why I do movies the way I do them. And, and so anyway, I think that there's that one would be huge. I would love to do that doc. Um, there's a few docs awesome. that like never got green lit that I'm always like, man, that story is nuts. You know, like, you know, and they never, it just never came to fruition. But Weird Al's up there. That's number one. Well, That's awesome. That would be great. I, would, I can't out. wait to check that out. He'd, Exactly. Yeah. Put it out here, if you don't right? put it out in the universe, though, if you don't put it out in the universe, yeah. it, it you know it may never happen. So it, if you're putting it out there, you, you never know. Like it's gonna yeah, happen. You never know. Green light. I don't think it's that. Some far executive away. one day. <laughs> yeah. 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 You never know. He might. Maybe he listens to this. And he, he, he's in... Oh, he will. Yeah. yeah, he does. He's he's an avid listener. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He emails us constantly, right? <laughs> he does. <laughs> You'd be surprised though. Somebody would be like. You'll do like a, you guys have done them. You'll do like, you'll just, you'll just, anything recorded is crazy. And someone will be like, oh, I think I saw you. I heard you say that thing on, the, you're like, whoa, you listen to that? That's, it's nuts. Um, yeah. I'd like to do a hockey project. Like the other side to me, like the non comedy side is, is like, I grew up playing, the Canadian yeah, like side. I grew up <laughs> playing junior <laughs> hockey and, and, uh, there's a lot of stories in hockey. Right? Most Canadian men, what are you talking yeah, about? Canadian. I know I'm so so Canadian. Yeah. Montreal Canadiens lost last night. And that's off. But I think that there would be. Oh yeah, they <laughs> yeah, did, they huh? To Tampa Bay. Um, that's okay. Sorry, uh, I'm an Oilers fan. But regardless, I just think that there's there's not that many hockey films out there, right? It's not that popular of a sport. Like it's. Yeah. I remember going into ESPN once for a meeting, and I was like pitching hockey stuff, and they're like, Brent. <laughs> it goes. Football, college football, basketball, baseball, golf, 10 other sports, and then maybe like hockey's under that. Was, 10 other I was sports? I kind of saying like, I would, way down here if you want your hockey stories. And I was like. I would think hockey's up there with. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's. You know, number six, five or so. It should be. It should be. <laughs> it, um, yeah. But like, you know, pro wrestling's in front of that. Um Not really? Yeah. I mean, That's, don't, watch pro, don't watch pro wrestling for hours. Yeah, I'm, um, yeah, maybe, maybe try so it. Maybe try. Maybe try pitching it to uh, like Russell Crowe uh, or Ooh, Wayne great. Gretzky. Well, Keanu Reeves is a huge hockey fan too. That'd be fun. Oh, he wanted really? to do oh a there you go. Series. I, I, yeah, just, I heard just, the grapevine. He wanted to do a summit, a, a, like a whole doc series on the Summit series. And I was like, he was like looking for a director. I was like, dude, <laughs> Keanu, <Yeah. is. laughs> let's jam. I would love to do something like that. So that's in my. Those are weird buckets, though, because I have a hard time selling anything that's not a comedy. Um, you know, going back mm. to the films, oh, wow. film sales stuff, like if I bring in a really serious idea, a lot of execs kind of go like, "Like that's not you, though," you know. And I'm like, "Well, no, it, but you're the funny yeah, like guy. it is actually me, <laughs> but you just don't know that part of me." And I, I understand. I think that's that's pretty normal. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm pigeonholed in any way. I like I'm very happy to be a comedy guy and have people approach me that way. Um, but if like, there is certain things that I'm like, yeah, that'd be a really interesting doc. This is a really cool article and I can totally see this being a film. And it's like, yeah, but that's like not in your zone at all like that. And, and you know, they're probably right. I'd probably get halfway through it and go like, well, this is depressing or something. So hockey, 
this is the thing with hockey is like every sport has like crazies you know you look at like there's a dennis rodman or like a michael jordy's like mm-hmm. even golf you're like, golf's so boring and you're like no look what's going on with tiger or like uh john daly yeah. or like you're like oh my god there's these there's not really like can you name a hockey player that has like you know like married madonna or like you know got caught in vegas there's not really like that many oh that's true uh, they're pretty like no solid kind of guys a little bit boring on camera so you're like oh, i can see why nobody really wants these kind of stories there's no like cork to it so that's what we have to do we have to implant somebody that's it <laughs> to be the bad boy of that's hockey <laughs> and then well, we, and then we we'll had be on that the one here in arizona that they that was always on the radio i can't remember his yeah, name yeah we had uh uh, I think he was from Canada too. Um, <laughs> I can't it's not Max Domi, is not Max Domi, but, is it Ty Domi's son? No, he no. he became uh he's now like a coach or a commentator now of the Coyotes, or at least he was. Um, I'd be lying if I told you the Coyotes were my favorite team, guys. Uh, <laughs> no. They are they really? Oh, no. you didn't say that. Yeah. Well, Gretzky, um, Gretzky's I can't think what part it's... of Arizona, obviously, or he was, but he's. He's great, but he's like, you know, solid guy, solid, you know, dad, and not yeah. like where, yeah. you're like, where's the, uh, like, there's, there's a last dance on the Edmonton Oilers of, of the 80s. There should be. There's not. And you're like, anyway, I could go on about hockey for a while. Definitely something I want to do. Something <laughs> in the hockey realm. I'll find well, the right story. With, since we're talking about like hot shots in, in, you know, the oddballs or the, the, um, you know the the weirdos of the Rodmans, right? Of of hockey here with this story you're telling of the holy game. Uh, did you find or or did you notice anybody that was the next Beckham, uh, or you know had that Ooh. aura of them? So we followed the North American soccer team, which was a big mistake because oh. North Americans <laughs> aren't good at soccer. Like halfway through, we're like, mm. and we gravitated towards them because. Over there, there's a lot of languages that get spoken. Like, there's teams from, there's priests from all over the world. From like Africa comes over and Portugal and everything. And they play on these teams. It's a lot like uh, Quidditch and like like uh, Harry Potter, where they're like the schools play each other. And there was the North American team. We like realized halfway through, like these guys aren't going to make the finals. We're not going to have a great film if they don't make the finals. And they didn't even make it past the semi the the, the semifinals. They got to the quarterfinals. And we sort of picked six other teams. We're like, let's follow these guys too because they're they've made the finals the last you know six to eight years of this cup, um, and they're really good at soccer. Like Europeans are next level at soccer. There's two people in the tournament. One goalie played for a pro team in South Africa, and one of the guys played for the Irish pro team. Um, and I don't know if they actually made it to the World Cup, but like you know, went went far in the in the World Champion Euro League. Yeah, so that was pretty exciting to see them play. You're like, oh, these guys are really good. And that was when they were probably nineteen, twenty, and now they became priests. But overall, the soccer is like it's okay. It wasn't next level level soccer. We made it look better than what was with like close up cameras and, <laughs> <laughs> and like <laughs> slow motion. Yeah, right? that's, that's the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like athletic dudes, really athletic dudes. Like I, like I said, some of these guys are playing NCAA hockey, and you know we're on the track team at Boston College. Like they've done a lot of, yeah, a lot of sports in their life. So it wasn't it wasn't like it was boring to watch. But 
Soccer is tough. Like we did a basketball doc on Aubrey Plaza's rec league basketball team, which is so funny. It was a girls league that they're called the Pistol Shrimps in LA. Just the whole thing was such a funny <laughs> sort of like anti-sports doc where you're like following the, this team. They do win the championship, but they're not great. And we, they, they know it and they talk about how bad they are. And that's fun. When you, when you film basketball, you're like going back and forth. There's a hundred points a game. There's so much happening. It's a small court. It's indoor. And like you film soccer and it's like stark daylight in the middle of fucking Rome. Like the sun sucks. <laughs> like the players are like this big and the game is like one nothing. And you're like, uh, okay. Mm, yes. yeah. That was boring. Like yeah. that, we just wasted, like, not wasted, but like we rolled for like three hours of footage and like we maybe have like two minutes of excitement. So that, uh. you know, soccer is a hard game to keep to do a documentary on for sure of all the sports yeah that's that's why it's unfortunate for us sometimes to watch yeah. it <laughs> that's why it's it's it, it it's tough for i don't know why americans don't like it as much as we do but yeah it's not as like action you packed. And, you know there's like mid there's like midfield like game going on when there's ball the ball is there and then it gets moved toward mm-hmm. you're like oh we're just moving between these things um and we didn't really have access to the bench you know we didn't have like them mic'd on cameras they, they were sort of reserved there yeah. the fans were crazy we had that so like it's a different kind of it, it was very immediate very quickly that we were doing a, a different kind of sports film here and i was like sports is going to take a side seat i kind of knew after the first couple games like there's no way unless we get drones in here and you know string cameras and build this whole thing out and get these guys wired mics on them and um it's going to be different and it, it it still worked out really well but I'd say, you know, overall, yeah, I mean, it's like the soccer is, it's not my, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not rushing to do another soccer film at all, in any way. <laughs> that's awesome. Rugby, maybe, right? Rugby, I would do. And rugby, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Some tough dudes there. All right, well, Brent, we're going to go ahead and wind down with our fun, fantastic questions oh, we have. Sure. Um, if you, um, so, uh, first question we have. What is your favorite conspiracy if you have one? Whoa. Do you have one that maybe you is on the radar that you think that is a possibility or maybe one that you you think is true? Whoa, favorite conspiracy. Just like just the Or that you want to think is true. Like the subjects subject of UFOs count? Does that count as like Sure. I mean, yeah, they're coming out these days saying that it's now legit. So I just love the I mean, back and you're pretty much on the right path. Like, isn't it crazy the back and forth on this thing? It's like the footage that you saw in the fifties. It's like, is this the same photos that we keep seeing or like Rosalind yeah. lights and Dan Aykroyd? Why are the cameras like, still always crashing? Yeah, like I, it's still <laughs> the same. And I'm like, the Pentagon has spoken. I'm like, who, who from the Pentagon is talking about this? And so it's, I think yeah. for, I would love to do a UFO project, whether I believe in them or not. It's like, I'm mad. that, that, that's a, that's a journey I would love to go on as in a film and be like, all right, who let the dogs out here? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> Who's really letting the dogs And that's what they listen to on what a loop. What is going on? Once you, once you get into the spaceship, I'm sure that's what they listen that's to on exactly a That's exactly it. If I did a UFO doc, though, it can't be normal. It has to be like the Weird Al of the, of the aliens or something. I have to find like a weird alien who started a bar or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> I awesome. do think there's like I, – I haven't got – it's exhausting seeing all these articles on it, but I do – think i would like to sort of explore that conspiracy at some point in my career in life awesome 
All right. What piece of information that you've learned that feels illegal to know? Wow. It could be Canada law. Wow. Roman Catholic law. What a great question. United it's, States it's law. Great. So, okay. Hmm. Elite? In your travels, what have you came across? Okay. That we could filmed be... a documentary on the mayor of Fall River. And he, he is this kid who was indicted on a bunch of charges. And while he was indicted, he actually ran for mayor again and, and won. He's like the youngest mayor in the U.S. It's on Roku. It was on Quibi. Wow. It's on Roku. To run this city, but he like let me follow him everywhere, and and he's like on trial, and I like had footage of him, like he was like going over the indictment and doing stuff, and I was always like, "Are you supposed to be doing this with me?" And like, what a wild! <laughs> I always felt like we had stuff that I was like, "This is illegal that I have this." Like there was like I like I have information that <laughs> a wiretap doesn't have. Like I always felt that. There was stuff I didn't have. He um, was he was just uh, found guilty on 21 charges of the 25. He went to yeah he went through the he hasn't been sentenced but uh, he gets sentenced in September wow. and he's no longer the mayor. Um, but he uh, yeah he, he he is oh while we were shooting with him he got arrested again on more charges and like wow. yeah just the whole thing was wow. wild. That was the first time for me that I was like I'm really filming in the moment like this is like in the in the moment. <laughs> That was 2019, like all all through 2019, right before the pandemic. Um, so was he just doing like a? I mean, not to spoil the movie, but like was he just doing a whole bunch of crazy things he shouldn't have been doing, basically in a sense? So he, uh, it, 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 like, he became the mayor at age 23, youngest mayor in, in Massachusetts, I think, second youngest in, in America. And but he got caught on a bunch of, she got charged for like early stuff he did before he was mayor, like wire fraud mm. with a tech company that he had. And then the second indictment that he got was bribery and extortion, tax fraud, and a bunch of other stuff that kind of came up while he was mayor. And he said taking bribes, and they have you know they have witnesses wow. and everything. So they you know they he 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 went through the the system and and uh, he got. So he wasn't playing the game right. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing right and wrong. You know he's young, and I don't know. This was what was kind of crazy with following him is like wasn't playing the game right, but I don't know if he was playing the game right when we were like, would you be, maybe we shouldn't have been filming with you either. Like there's all like, so yeah, yeah. back to your question of like, do you have, is there any, something I've uncovered that I feel like, like is illegal or shouldn't have. It was like, there was something going on. I didn't even, it, when you're filming, you're like, this is gold. I know this is gold. In this case, I was always like, this is gold. And I don't even know if I want all this gold. Like, I don't want, I don't know if I want this story. Like you almost feel like you're an accessory almost like, or like, or should I be doing yeah, this? Kind of like, thing? Is that the kind of feeling you got? Well, like, like even like Mark, back to your a... thing of like, what story are we telling? Like, what is this story? Like, mm, this is a story of, yeah. a, of a triumphant young mayor who's going to beat the justice system <laughs> and become the next president of the U S or is this like, are we just following somebody who's done some really bad thing? Like, I didn't know what we were doing anymore. And it was, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but in the context of filmmaking, I remember kind of having that feeling a lot of like, I, I, I like, and, and at one point we saw like an FBI car following us with them. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to, what is this? Like, this is too weird. And they were just like keeping track of them and as they should, they have a case against him. And, uh, wow. yeah. And then we also like filmed in the FBI, uh, in like the courtroom in, 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 uh, in Boston where the FBI made a statement. So like 
he's talking about this one FBI agent and, and that FBI agent's now in front of us doing a statement. You're just like, this is all too crazy and real. Um, and it was all happening in real time. Surreal, right? yeah. It's very surreal. So that was like a, a very interesting film to make <laughs> and very, and sort of that, that question that you asked. That brings uh, or makes me think of like, while you're doing these documentaries, you, you get into a personal situation. Uh, the perfect example with that mayor, you then discover things that no one may know, but you and him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Really crazy. That's got to be right? crazy. You're spending, like, it's, it's a, how, it's a, how do you? What are you saying? How do you handle that? Like how? how like like <laughs> me? I I got to tell my wife. Like hey, hey, this is what happened today. Like I I went through all this this drama of all these things. Like is there someone that you can you confide into when like it's just oh yeah bonkers <laughs> off the wall. As a, first off, it's never just me. There's always a crew. So you're kind of going through the experience. Like my mm. crew is like my okay. best buds. Like my, you know, like the guys I film with, the, the gals I film with are, we're, we all kind of, and we'll all just start sending articles as they come out. Even now we're like, what's going on with that trial? Like, even though we're done. So we, it is a collective <laughs> experience, but it's an extremely odd relationship because like, we're not friends. It's a, it's like a paid situation. I don't work for him and he doesn't work for me. So like, there is no hierarchy of like a boss situation. He sort of needs to like, wow, be there weird. really emotionally and intimately, but also has to be there physically like a call sheet is like, Oh, uh, I know you have trial on Monday, but like you were booked from like five till eight, right. For the interview. Like it's such a weird <laughs> world where you wow. sort of, and yeah, I mean, also you're like, I need to get great stuff and great stuff comes at like midnight after you had a few beers with the guy and he's like okay let's talk about that now and you're like like you couldn't um it's not it's like so different from doing shift work you know you can't just be like yeah you know, i'm on i'm on duty yeah. and you're like you know and, and by the way getting that camera in front of him him feeling comfortable took so long like there was times we didn't have a camera for a really long time and there was times where i met yeah. up with him where i was like i don't think the camera's right right now i just need to be wow. here for, for a second and just listen. And then there's other times where I'm like, I can't, I don't want to do this right now. So it was a lot of that. Um, and it was hard because like you're traveling to go do this with him. It's not like it's in New York and you're like, Oh, I can just zip down the street. It's, you know, you're going to fall river every time. That one was a journey. Like that was a, that was a hard film to make. And uh, his trial wow. kept getting pushed too. It got pushed all the way until May of this year. So you're like, what, when are we putting it out? When does this, when the trial happens? And like, you shouldn't put it out before the trial. So I don't know if there's an answer to your question, Mark. I think it's just like every one, every film's different. Farley didn't have any of that. He's not here. We didn't have to deal with like, you know, it's, it's yeah. just a different kind of game. So um, that one though, man, that one was like, that took a lot out of me. That's another one that I'll fucking leave. By. <laughs> I'll talk about Farley forever. <laughs> that one, I'm like, uh, I'll leave that one. Um, no, I still talk about yeah. that one. Actually, I still look at the articles as they come out and, that yeah because it's still you said it's still going on that's well crazy. the other thing is too is like you meet really cool people when you do this i met great people in fall river that i stay in touch with i had to go through providence to boston a couple of weeks ago and i just i stopped and said hi and like had coffee with a couple of them some of these people aren't like in the film or on his team or it's just somebody that we like met when we were at the bar when it's like you, you meet other individuals it's really interesting yeah. Uh, where your life kind of takes you with some of those things. And, and I don't think you have to be best friends with your subjects either. Like, 
And it doesn't matter. People are like, well, do you think he's a criminal? Did he do it? You're like, that doesn't, I don't, doesn't matter. I'm not the justice system. Like, it doesn't actually mm-hmm. matter. Right. Even though I was, you know, very close to him a lot. My opinion in this situation means nothing. I can't even vote in that town. So who cares if he's the mayor? Like, I, you know, that's uh, so kind of interesting being a step, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being a step back. So true. And our last question will be, what kind of guilty pleasure do you have? Whether it be music or movies, like something that you watch that maybe is like something that people don't know that you listen to, like Taylor Swift, <laughs> your T-Swift guy. I'd like to film, what kind of things do you enjoy? I'd love to interview Taylor Swift, by the way. I'd like to film with her. I think she's fascinating. Um, same with the Jenners, by the way. I think they're fascinating. Oh, yeah, that would, be, that would be a good like, one. I listened to this podcast that was about her and she's like, she's a machine. She's so fascinating. Um, guilty pleasure. I was just having a conversation with some friends about guilty pleasures now. Like, aren't they just pleasures? Aren't all pleasures guilty? Like it was this, we, we went that, deep. That's we went true. Deep. Yeah. Um, what are my guilty pleasures? Um, and is it like secret? Like I'm not like. Yeah. Like you, maybe you haven't really told too many people. Like you watch the Goonies on the the third week of every month all day <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I do. Um, I'm a huge night owl. I don't know if that, it's not guilty pleasure. Everybody knows that about me. Um, but like really weird night owls. And some, some people are like, when did you go to bed? And I say like, Oh, like one thirty, And I did. And I, I went till like 6am. Like always. Oh, like wow. all the time. That's, like that's a, oh, all wow. the time. I don't know why. I just do it. And I always lie. <laughs> <laughs> I always lie about it when I went to bed. It's like it's like I'm gonna get in trouble, or they're gonna. Maybe people are gonna be like, "You're exhausted." And I'm like, "No, I don't want to hear that." Because it's not the point. The point is that I just like witching hour. I like I get I I'm more comfortable. Um, but no, that's not a good one. I really want to answer these questions because I think they're phenomenal. Um, let's see, a guilty pleasure. I wonder if I can relate it back to like. Um. Uh, Okay, I do have one that's kind of funny. It does get brought up a lot because everyone always goes like, you become like the master of everything you, you do. If you're like, I did the Farley film. Like, I'm supposed to know everything about Farley. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. Airheads. He's in Airheads. Oh. And yeah. we even talk about it in our movie. We even talk about his scene. And I actually haven't seen it. And I always felt that was funny because people always bring up stuff. And you'll be like, yo, Billy Madison. You're like, yeah, I've seen it. I'm like, yeah, yeah absolutely. By the way, the end of Billy Madison, the principal, that's Jim Downey, the guy who's like, that was the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. That That's Jim oh, Downey. Oh, that's like, yeah. The connection really? is amazing that we're doing this film. That's a really stupid one, though, too. Like, guilty pleasure that I haven't seen Airheads is like, <laughs> they're like, big fucking deal. Um, either of we. <laughs> that's pretty good, though. But it's funny that I, no, yeah. I've gone through some conversations where I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen everything Farley's done. And it's not true. <laughs> mm, oh, it's okay. like I'm holding. Like I could go watch Airheads. He's in a scene. I could probably look it up on YouTube. But I've purposely <laughs> stayed away from watching. And I have no reason why. Even though I know what happens in Airheads. And if people were like, I'm like, yeah, Brendan Fraser's in it. And like Steve Buscemi's in it. Low and Rangers. I actually haven't seen it. I know there's like, I know they're at a radio station. I know there's like fake guns. But I actually haven't seen it. I haven't seen Farley's moments. That's so bad, but that's that's that, probably it. That, no, that's What's good. What's your that's guilty good. pleasures? That's awesome. Ooh. Mm, Mark, Nobody's asked again. you guys. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Uh, yeah, that, that is very good. 
it's not not I, I'm pretty open as to like all my stuff, so it uh that is a very good question. I don't know if I have really like have really like a guilty pleasure uh up until recently, uh which we made known on the show now, I, it was crypto mining. Like that was a very well kept secret for uh, our start of crypto mining until we wanted to start documenting our journey. Whoa. Um but yeah, then cheese i am a huge fanatic of cheese and i've been on a diet for the last six months and i still miss cheese wow yeah I, I miss oh it. nice Wisconsin boy that is a guilty pleasure Real yeah man. um my mine i have a whole room designated to sunny and share whoa shut the fuck no no <laughs> I, was, I was about to say how big is but no room? that's just it's a it's, it's a little closet it's like Shrine, 10 by yeah. 10 <laughs> no i I can't really think of one either. It's more of just probably just like music that you probably don't want to share that you're listening to. Like something that comes on, like, you know, your iPod or your, not your iPod, but your phone, you know, like your music when it shuffles, you probably have crazy music that comes on like, and you're just singing uh, along you know and all of a sudden it's like Christmas what, music on, and yeah. you're just still rolling through it like in July. On the, on the topic of music, on the topic of commute, thanks to Scott actually for this one. Um, I really I think like I'm a, I'm a closet metalachi fan. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. it's mariachi music and metal to get mixed together. They do covers. Uh, and they do the cover bands. Of, if you yeah. if you ever listen, it's hilarious. I mean, it's funny. They do it's like funny, but it's Guns and Roses really good too. <laughs> yeah, I metalachi. I recently think I figured out one of, one of my dad's guilty pleasures, which I thought is so funny. He's a really quiet guy. He's, 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 you know, he's a very stoic guy, but we were at his place and I was like watching TV with him. And we started going through YouTube on, on Roku, like on the TV. And I was like, I think my dad loves American Idol, <laughs> like, <laughs> like underdog <laughs> stories. <laughs> and I, oh, and I was wow. like, this is amazing. And I, re- and I even looked, I was like, look at your side history. It's all these American Idol, like, and, and like, he started bringing up some, like, I think my, my fiance was talking and somebody was talking and he's like, yeah, Susan Boyle. Like, <laughs> I was like, you know her name? Like it was, this, <laughs> and I looked and then we started going through it and it was like, he was really into them. And he's like, oh no, watch, I've seen this one. This is where like, they, like the, the kid like hits a high note and you're like, whoa, that little, that little kid just hit that high note. And, uh. And like British got talent, and like New Zealand's got talent, like all like he was going deep, and I, I was like, he loves the talent <laughs> that, shows. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, you know what? I've watched every Blumhouse movie ever. <laughs> I don't even know you what is and that? my wife. Blumhouse <laughs> is a is. company. Is it? Um, we're going to be putting out a few docs coming up with them right away, which is super exciting. But uh, they're a horror company, and they've done a lot of really great horror films, like the Halloween franchise that's been coming out or get out or paranormal activity. Oh yeah. But then, you know, to, 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 on the flip side of that, they've also done a lot of B grade stuff that like goes straight to iTunes. Nobody sees it. And if you go to Jason Blum from Blumhouse, you go to the, go to his Wikipedia page and there's just, he has like 200, 300 movies. He's putting out month, every month he's putting out more and more. And he does these like low budget, micro budget, horror films like gore films and stuff all like sorts. that yep. like stuff all sorts like and docs like in the, in the oh, doc cool. world he did like the jinx and some some big stuff um but some you know some of them are hit or miss and i think that's what's actually quite beautiful about his business model he, this guy's a salesman too like i really really love jason blum there's a podcast he does planet money if you ever want to check out like the sales 
of horror films. It's really well done. But he, on it, I'm like, holy cow, you sell a lot of movies. Like, you sell a ton. And some of them are hits, some of them are missed. <laughs> the ones that are hits are like hundreds of millions. The ones that are misses wow. are like, they're misses. But for some reason, I got so into it over the pandemic and I watched every single Blumhouse. There's like 200 and something. And I would just be editing movies and just wow. have them up. And I, I just was like, oh, I'll watch The Purge 7. Why not? And I'll watch like, and I just went <laughs> deep and uh, I looked them up and I would look up like how he financed them. And you know, I love the sale. Like I said, I love sales of movies. And I'd be like, how did he finance these? How did he get this actor? Ethan Hawke's his friend from school. That's why he's in The Purge. What kind of deal did wow. Ethan Hawke sign? Maybe did he sign like, like, you know, a, like a, a different deal? What did Jordan Peele sign? Who financed it? Okay, it was a universal first look deal. It's, he has a universal first look deal, universal pass. He sold it to Sony. Like I started going down these weird. So anyway, <laughs> people are like sales yeah, rabbit sales rabbit holes. But like, why you picked every Blumhouse movie? I that's a guilty pleasure. I have no idea why, but but wow. it's fascinating. That is that is a, that is a good your, one. Your self discover guilty pleasure. That's it. And I'm yeah. not even like well, a huge horror fan, so that's. Well, I guess I am now, but like I, I wouldn't say that I, I guess I have to be if I've watched that many horror films, but I wouldn't say I like gravitate towards watching horror films. It was just, there was something about the structure of it too. Like he has a template that really works clearly. And I was just so fascinated. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't think he's even watched all of his movies and, and I actually met him. I've met him a few times and I actually told him, <laughs> I was like, I've watched every Blumhouse movie. I just want you to know. It was like, it was like all of them, or like all of them. Like, and then you tell him, no, not airheads. Yeah, yeah, not, but yet not airheads. <laughs> the only you one did that one, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, Brent. Well, we greatly appreciate that you came on the show. Uh, we'll make sure that we tell everybody to go and check out the Holy Game. Uh, on that note, Amigos out. This has been the Amigos PC. Make sure to like, subscribe, and review us on all your podcasting platforms. And visit us at AmigosPC.net. Get our entire library of content and Amigos merch. Till next time, adios. People ask us sometimes if Pepsi is different here in Ohio than in other places. And the answer is, yeah, we think so. Because the taste of something is so totally, deliciously affected by the flavor of everything around it. And when that flavor is Ohio, well, it, it's got to be better somehow. Hey, we should know. We bottle the Pepsi you know and love right here in Ohio. So when you pour yourself an ice cold Pepsi, remember there's some O-H-I-O in there. And that's part of why we say Pepsi, like Ohio, is oh so refreshing.